You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Do you love the Lord? Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, I love that we sang that song, Come Let Us Adore Him. And um, Pastor Mark and I were chatting yesterday, and, and we really felt like he said it actually at the end of yesterday's service that this weekend that God would mark us, you know, that I, I want something to happen in me. I'm hungry for, to really genuinely know the Lord, to understand the bread, of, uh, the bread of life that is Jesus, you know, not just the activity of God, but to actually know the Lord in the room. I don't usually do this because my voice is not as good as your worship leaders, nowhere near it. But I just feel we should just sing that chorus one more time. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. For you alone are worthy. Praise you. Just open your heart. Open your heart to him. For you alone are worthy. Christ the Lord. Jesus, 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 praise you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus, Lord, mark our heart, Jesus, mark us, Lord. Take away all in my life that doesn't please you, that doesn't love you. Take away from all of my life things that don't please you, things that don't love you. Give me back my first love fire. I want to be in love again. Jesus, we want to love you more than everything. Give me back my first love fire. (laughs) Where I can't wait to read my Bible, Lord. Where I can't wait to sing praises to you. Come, come, let us adore the Lord. We adore you, Jesus. Yield us, Lord. Yield us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. In all the campuses watching right now, I just pray that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon your heart and grip you. He just grip you again with the whole meaning of this. The, the meaning is to know Him. There is no greater revelation than Jesus. Father, we ask you that you would come this morning and help us. Help us. I pray that today would be a day of deliverance and great joy. That you'd deliver us from fear, from distraction, and restore to us the joy of your salvation. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's a person, I believe, called Aaron who needs he- to be healed. Is there an Aaron here and, uh, and you need a miracle in your body? You need something. Is, an, is there an Aaron in this room at the moment? Your name is Aaron. And uh, I just heard that name before. And, or maybe you're watching on the campus. I don't know. Is your name Aaron? 
Do you need a healing in your body? Your mental health. Thank you, Jesus. God, I give you praise for that. You know what? Can I tell you something? Mental health is the one thing that I love to pray for. My father, I'll, I'll share with you later, but you'll understand why. Father, I thank you for this man. In the authority of the name of Jesus, I command this thing from his life, this fear, this spirit that's oppressing you with grief and with torment in your mind. In the authority of the name of Jesus, I command it to come out of your life now. I take authority over this thing and I cast you from his world now. It's not yours, friend. I break this right now. I pray that he'd be recompensed sevenfold for the things he suffered. In Jesus' name, Father, let him be one of the sevenfold. In the name of Jesus, I cast this spirit and this torment from your life. In Jesus' name, I thank you for Aaron's life. God, we praise you for restoring all things for him. Thank you for putting him on my heart, on your heart, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this man. I pray you'd raise him up, God. He'd be a great leader. It'd also be just a contagious, joy-carrying Christian, just full of God, full of God all the time, full of love. And his voice, would, he, God would use you like you, when you were a young kid. You used to sing all the time when you were a young kid. You used to always sing and you were always happy, singing, singing, singing. I just see you always singing. And I pray that Jesus would fill you with such joy. You would sing again. You would worship again like crazy. In the authority of the name of Jesus, we cast this spirit from your life. Because this is not just something mental. It's a spirit of fear. And get out of his world now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for Aaron's life. Thank you, Jesus. God loves you, Aaron. God loves you. Thank you, God. He loves you, bro. How you doing? Good. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is good. He's so, so good. There's a woman here. You've had three miscarriages. Um, you're carrying around this grief from this, these miscarriages. It's, I know it's such a sensitive thing. But as I stood then when Aaron walked off, I heard that in my heart. It's a sensitive thing. But let me tell you something. God, when he saved us on the cross, that's why I quoted before Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. God, when he gave his life for us, he gave it so that we could be free, not just of sin, but we could live an abundant life as he promised in John 10. And the Lord wants to rip this grief off you. You've had these miscarriages and you think something's wrong with you. You think you're cursed or you did something. And the Lord's telling me to tell you that is not the truth. The Lord loves you, greatly loves you. And this morning he wants to rip the spirit of grief off your life. Um, I know it's a courageous thing to do. I, I really hate to even ask who is that. I hate to do that because I don't want you to feel embarrassed. But if there's somebody here and that's you, you've had several miscarriages, I want you to put up your hand. We're just going to put our hand on your shoulder and the Lord's going to do something for you this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I know it's, a, I know it's a, uh, an embarrassing thing somewhat, you know, but it's not you. I feel like God just wants to wreck, just really wreck you this morning with his love. And if that's you, just place your hand up so I can see you. And uh, don't be afraid. And uh, the Lord loves you very, very much. He loves you. Maybe it's three or four you've had or two. I don't know exactly, um, but I sensed it was around three. Um, and, and I just heard that as soon as I got up. Usually this is correct. I don't want to put you on the spot, but usually I hear right in these moments. Is there anybody here who has that in their life or you've had these miscarriages? And, uh, and the, the Lord just wants to minister to you this morning. If that is you, just place your hand up here. And um, or maybe you're watching. I don't know, maybe you're in the, the Butler or Wangaro Mandura campus uh, and it's you. And, um, and I just want to declare, if that is you in, in those rooms, that Jesus wants to heal you right now. And, and the Lord loves you deeply. And um, I really did hear that pretty clear in my heart. So I'll just ask, maybe we can just close our eyes for just a second. I'll just ask one more time. Maybe you feel embarrassed. Is there anybody here and you've had several miscarriages and, uh, and you know that I'm speaking to you right now. No one can see you now because we have our eyes closed. Uh, if that's a woman here, just place up your hand. I want to pray for you. And uh, there's a woman up the back, I think. Is, is, that, is that you? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, I heard that in my heart, so I just ask one more time. I know it can be embarrassing, but the Lord loves you. If that's you, just place your hand up. No one can see you except me. Okay. 
all right, well, I just believe then it's probably in the other campus. And uh, I just sense maybe even a lady with blonde hair. So I pray that if you're watching and you're there and the Lord, I just pray he begin to touch you right now as you see this, that the Lord would just touch you and he'd rip the spirit of grief. And that's what I pray, that Jesus would take grief from you. Thank you, Father in heaven. Thank you, Father God. Thanks, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Holy Spirit. And if you're still in this room as well, I want you to come see me at the end of the service. It's something that some people get really embarrassed about those things. And if that's you, just come see me at the end of the service. I'll pray for you anyway. Thank you, God. Father, mark us today. Mark us tonight. I pray, Father, that you would do something very deep in our spirit, that you would very, very strongly, God, that you would knit us together with your will, that you would change the way we think, change the way we see things. I pray, Father God, that every person in this church around all the different campuses, that all of them would sense just an overwhelming presence of God that draws them back to the secret place. And that's what I want to go after tonight. I really want to go strongly after this, that that the Lord would draw you back to the innocent simplicity of loving and knowing Him. But I also pray that this morning, that the spirit of fear, uh, the things that keep us bound to people's opinion would be broken off you. And that God this morning would really mightily move on your spirit. And He'd just change and just calibrate your mind to His thinking. Because God is not afraid. God is a fearless God. And he's a fearless father and, and he's, he's given birth to fearless children. And that's who you are. So, Father, we ask you that you do something mighty today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks. Um, it's so good to be here. This is my Perth family now. I've only been here once. But now it's my family. Um, because Pastor Mark's here. And I'm honored to be your friend back. He said, he said, some people won't reciprocate it. I totally will. He's an amazing man. And uh, I'm so thankful for him and Jemima. His wife, Jemima, Pastor Jemima, sends me um, messages about people I should marry. And so um, <clears throat> I told Pastor Mark that him and Lisa Bevere are the only two people that do that. And uh, Lisa Bevere literally sends me photos. She's like, what about that girl? That's pretty, pretty weird. So, um, so yeah. Um, uh, I have my phone. Oh, there it is. Sometimes you don't know where you put your phone and it's in your pocket. Um, Guys, this morning, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my story, but I want to tell you something very, very, in a really real way. When I go to church and, and when I minister around the world and I get to minister in some cool places, you know, some small home groups and then big stadiums, it's really cool. But when I'm there, I'm, I'm not there to be at church. I'm not there to, to just have a service. I'm here because I want God to, to touch us, including me. I, I, this morning, I want the Lord to really touch you. And I sense the Lord wants to rip fear off people. Now, I don't mean like people who walk around, I'm just full of bondage. I don't mean that. I mean just fear that is subtle, that subtly paralyzes our conscience to the fruit of God in our life and and what He's really called us to, you know? Because we sing that song, and it's a very prophetic song that God gave us. You know, I'm no longer a slave to fear, right? I am a child of God, you know? But uh, the reality is we sing it in here, but sometimes it's not the reality of our life. You know, our life lived is, it's what, behind the pulpit, listen, we were talking about this last night at dinner. This is not the definition of Christian success. Let me tell you, if you're aspiring to get a microphone, you can have it, have it. It's not going to change your heart. It's not going to set you free when you're sitting with your friends at a cafe and they believe that Jesus is not real. Or they're sitting there with you and they're arguing and debating that Christians are judgmental against certain uh, people groups and you don't know what to do and you freeze up. It's not going to stop you just because you can, you can be in church. The, the church in itself is the body of Jesus. And Jesus is the head for a reason because he's meant to be the one doing all the thinking. And, and we're meant to be his body. So we're supposed to let him think through our life. And he doesn't think in fear. He doesn't think in being potted and fashioned by human opinion. He doesn't have a grid for how much fear we should have in our life. In fact, Jesus came to destroy the power of the enemy, right? So the destruction of the enemy in your life looks like a few things. It looks like the power of uh, peace, having no peace. The enemy's gone when Jesus restores peace. Uh, the forgiveness of sin, the enemy's work that he does in your life through sin. That's why I tell people, flee sin. Don't even give it a chance to be in your world. There's no point, man. You're just going to get into a battle that, that God has equipped us for forgiveness, but he didn't equip us to play with demons, to play with sin. You know, he gave us the ability by righteousness, by holiness to live free. 
And so he destroyed the enemy's power. And he also destroyed what the enemy brings into the world, which is fear. Fear, 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 fear. I used to watch TV at night, a current of fear, I used to call it, because they used to have every, every, every night they'd have something, do you struggle? Do you wake up feeling tired? It's like, come on, man, everyone wakes up feeling tired. You know, like, it's like, oh, do you have, you might have this sickness, you might have that sickness. It's like, it was a current of fear. It was just fear, fear, fear. And because people are gravitated toward that, because the enemy is the spirit and prince of power of the air, and he re- releases fear over people. And in the world, I've seen people who are very bold in church come underneath the culture of their city. And they're not supposed to come underneath it. They're supposed to set the tone of it. And it's another thing when you, you can you know, really praise God. Yeah, I love you, Jesus. And then when your friends are around the, the dinner table or you know, you're at some place where their birthday is or whatever, and they're talking about how I hate religion, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I love it. Jesus saved my life. It's another thing when you can be that, that way, when you're not living by a human opinion. And so this morning, I want to hit that pretty hard. But, and I want to hit it hard in the sense that I want you to be vulnerable. You know, last night, uh, Pastor Mark and I were talking at, at dinner. We felt like it didn't, it, it, the Lord delivered people for sure. I saw people on the floor and, and, and people getting set free and just weeping. The Lord touched so many people. Um, but we felt like it was a, a beginning, like a crack opened, you know. And so this, this today, these three services here, and also it's wonderful to see you, you guys in the other campus. God bless you. It's, it's fantastic to be here with you in the, in the hottest days of Perth's history. I tell, you what, I tell you what, it's warm, man. I was, I was sweating a lot. Even when I got out of the car with Chris this morning out of here, I'm like, man, it is hot. You know, it's good for me. I've been traveling a lot. I've put on some weight. Some of these guys on the worship team in their skinny jeans stuff, you know, I'm like, they, I need them to pray for me, you know, because the Lord destroyed the Amorites. He can destroy the cellulites too, amen? And, uh, <laughs> some of these skinny jeans kids, man, it's hot. It's hot, so it's good for me. Maybe I'll lose some weight. Some of you go, look at this guy. He's got, you got Jesus living in a tent. I've got him in a mansion here. You know, he got it. But um. But I'm so thankful to be in Perth with you. But I really feel something's supposed to cut. You know, something's supposed to break. That's why we say, God, give us breakthrough. Baal Perizim was his name in 2 Samuel. The God of the breakthrough. And if you're not a Christian in this room, you're like, what is this guy talking about? Breakthroughs? What are these fruitcake Christians? We are fruitcakes. We are. We're bananas for Jesus, man. We're unashamed of the gospel. Seriously. I'm not ashamed of Jesus who saved my life. You'll hear why in a second. Uh, I wrote a song recently about that, actually. I said, I'm not ashamed of the blood that saved my life because I'm not. Because my life before was reprobate against God. Last night I was, said, I was saying it was retrobate. Last night, and Pastor Mark told me, he's like, I think it's reprobate. And I'm like, oh no, I've been saying I was a 70s sinner, you know, retrobate. Um, but it's reprobate. I actually checked another one of my sermons yesterday. I've been saying retrobate for years, unfortunately. Um, so... It's reprobate, which means your mind is against the ways of the mind of God. And it's not what we're created for. So I grew up in a Christian home. Mum's amazing. Short little bitty woman. Powerful though. Tall as a drink of water, but full of God. And my family prayed. My mother used to pray all the time. My dad the same. He was a professional golfer. He saw a picture of a man named Reinhard Bonnke, uh, what they were doing in a big tent of 35,000 people in Africa, in Harare, Zimbabwe. And my father felt it's really the will of God that we move to Christ for our nations. And I want to honor Reinhardt. A general of the faith just went home. 79 years, 79 million souls. A general. I want to honor him. Such a general. We are so thankful for the, the favor and also the yes that he gave God. You know, your yes with the hand of the Lord's grace can do a lot for people. And, uh, and so my dad just wrote like letters every week and finally they got tired of the letters and they said, it just come. So he dropped the golf profession. He went there to kind of prepare the way. His plan was stay there for three months, come back, take us. We'd live in Africa. We grew up under Reinhardt's ministry. It didn't happen that way. My father was actually cursed and attacked by a witch doctor. I don't want to get into that because people are like, oh, I feel a curse over my life. Let me tell you something. There's a lot more power in the blessing of the Lord than a witch's curse. I don't even want to go down that road because people are like, oh, I felt you know, this and that. I'm like, don't focus on him. Focus on him because the Lord is powerful, mighty to save, mighty to deliver. And I say this with honor and respect for my father, but he may have had some fear in his heart. We chatted about it a bit last night. He may have had some fear, but I don't want to dishonor him because he was going by faith. Whenever, when anybody steps out to move across the world, drops the golf profession, which is a well-paying profession, to follow Jesus, I give them honor. Even if they're taken out in the, in the battle or even if something goes wrong, I give the honor to what he went for. And, um, and so anyway, he rang my mum, and he was in Africa and he said, I'm starting to see the walls move. 
And she said, what do you mean? He said, the walls. Like, my dad was never like that. Very sensible, very gentle man, and, uh, and, and very just calm man. And he said, the walls are moving, Jen. It's my, my mom's name. And, and she said, okay, get the team to pray for you. He did, but it continued. After a little bit, they said, my, my mom decided with him, you've got to come home. So he came home. When my dad came home, he came home as a different man. He was my hero, absolute hero. My dad came home and, and when he got home, he was just a bit different. I'll tell you a bit of a vulnerable story. I remember um, he was depressed, you know, he just felt down, but he had this thing, what they'd call a relapse or an episode. And this cat team, they call them the cat team, they came and they took him and, and they had to restrain him. And I'd never seen that stuff happen before. And, and my dad was like my hero. Like if you, had a, if you could imagine a kid who's in love with his father, I was that kid in love with my dad, just wanted always to be with my dad. That's probably why um, sometimes I get very emotional toward God as a father. I can't believe that God has fathered us. I can't believe it sometimes. I mean, I don't mean I don't have faith. I mean, I'm just shocked that God would actually choose me to father me with all the junk that he, that he found me in. And, and, and so my father was like that to me. He's like my hero, you know, and he came home and he was different. He had this relapse episode and they said, your father has paranoid schizophrenia. I went and visited him in the hospital. I remember it was a tough day because all these people were like talking to walls and banging their head. And I felt, I felt sorry for them. I used to go and visit this other guy in the hospital. as a little kid called Wayne. And I used to tell Wayne, I'm praying for you too, Wayne. I'm praying for my dad and I'm praying for you, Wayne. And I loved God and I loved people. And, uh, but I was shocked at my father's difference. And one day he came home, they put him on heavy medication, lithium actually, and all these other different things. They switch medications a lot. And, uh, and I'm not against those people. It's very tough to discern what's going on in the brain. And, um, and they were trying to help. Uh, but my father would have these episodes, yeah? And, and all of a sudden he'd say, he'd go, Ben, and he'd yell at our, uh, me and my sister and brother and my mom. And my mom would try and re- stop him and, and try and stop him from going out the door. And he'd say, you don't understand this. There's, there's people in the front yard, they're going to kill us all and, and all this sort of stuff. And then he'd, he'd get me in the car and, he, and he'd drive, you know, 45 minutes. And I'm just scared in the back, like someone's trying to kill us and, and scared of, of what's going on. And, and then he'd stop on the side of the road and he'd have no idea why he's there. And he'd just start crying. It's like, what are we doing here? And, he, and, and it would hit him that he can't control his own thoughts anymore. Very, 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 uh, I have a lot of mercy when brother um, Aaron came up. That's why I said to you, Aaron, that it's my joy to pray for you because the enemy's a liar. It's my joy to pray that God would totally give you the soundness of mind. He wore a crown of thorns so you could have a sound mind. And, uh, and so my father was, Volatile. He couldn't play golf properly anymore. And, and obviously the thing with Reinhardt went away because he just couldn't do it anymore. He, he couldn't take us to Africa. He couldn't go to Africa. And so after that, um, my mom and I and, and my sister and brother, we just began to pray every night. You know, my mom used to promise me, she said, when dad gets healed, we're going to have ice cream cake. And I, I love this stuff, ice cream cake. And she said, we'll have ice cream cake the, the day he gets healed. There'll be a big celebration, Ben, because God heals and I said, that's amazing. And then uh, my mom couldn't leave the house. I couldn't leave either for four and a half years because my father was a bit volatile. So we couldn't leave the home, you know, because he would say things sometimes that were really extreme. And, uh, and he would do things that were extreme and she just couldn't leave him because, you know, sometimes he'd grab a phone and just smash it through the front window and just, he was seeing demonic things that weren't from God. And, uh, and it was affecting us. And so mom said, look, I want to take you and, and Marie and Sam away for one night and we're going to go fishing and, you know, have fish and chips, like that kind of thing. And I was like, wow, you know, we go fishing. And my dad, he sat me down before that trip. It was a one night trip. And he said, Ben, he looked at me over the table. I was 10. He said, Ben, he goes, I love you. And he started crying like pretty strongly. And, um, and he said, I love you. And he said, catch me a fish. And I said, oh, I will, dad. I love you too, you know. And uh, so we went fishing, and sure enough, I believe it was the Lord, because I don't know what I'm doing. I had a hand reel. He gave me a hand fishing reel. I put it over the side of this little pier, and I caught a fish. And I had a fish on this thing, and mom said, don't bring that in the tent. Don't you bring it in. But I wrapped it up. I loved that fish. I loved it. I slept with it. It brought the thing in the tent. I love that fish, because I couldn't wait to show it to dad, you know? And so we got home the next morning, and, and I'm holding fish. I said, dad. I ran in the house. I was the first one in there. I said, dad, dad. And I was like, Dad, I thought he must be asleep. It was like 10 in the morning. I thought he must be asleep. And so I ran into his bedroom and he was. He was on the bed. I said, Dad, I had this fish. Dad, 
Dad? Dad? No response. So I dropped the fish, and he looked different. I walked over to him, I touched him, and I remember feeling something dark, you know, and his head was cold, just completely cold. And I was like, and I said, Mom, Mom, and I ran, and I sort of touched him a bit more, but I like to push him a bit, and I was like, Mom, and I ran. I said, Mom, Dad's dead, and she goes, don't say that. I said, he is dead, and I literally took off running. I didn't stay with my mom. I ran. They found me several hours later. I took off running, and at that point, I began to run for a long time. I ran and ran and ran. By the age of 14, I was so rebellious that I couldn't stay in school anymore, and they, ha- they kicked me out of school. So I started an apprenticeship, started working, and started running. And I ran deep into the arms of sin, deep into sin. And all of a sudden, after several years, I'm 18, 19, my conscience is dead. I mean, it was so dark that I would do things that are just unspoken. They're not right. They're just, even the, the a nicest person in culture would think, that is twisted, man. And I was that way. My conscience was far from God. Because when you mix grief with sin, it's a volatile cocktail. That's why I tell people, I said it yesterday, do not make decisions in moments of pain of your life. Go to your leaders. Get them to pray with you. Get the counsel of God around you, the love of Jesus in you. Don't make major decisions when you are deeply insecure. The Lord began to touch me though and work on me through my mom. I was hiding drugs at her house. I was bad by this point, really bad. Sleeping with other women while I had a girlfriend at home. Just no absolute, that's why I said reprobate against God because no conscience, like everything was someone else's fault, not mine. I was blaming everybody else. But some little part of me died on the inside, you know, like that boy that loved his dad. And I began to get very, very controlling and very just dark and, and, and just aggressive and violent, all these different things. And, and then one night I was in a nightclub and, and by this point I was dealing drugs. I had a criminal record. I'd stolen a car and I tried to steal a car. I had a criminal record for attempted theft of a motor vehicle and different things like that and, uh, and, and some other stuff too. And I had, had committed government fraud by collecting Centrelink under alias addresses. I was getting bad. They found me though. But my conscience was seared. And one night in this nightclub where I frequently was because my girlfriend worked there and I used to go there and try and sell drugs and stuff and I just wanted to be in this dark place. One night there, it was like a veil came off my eyes and I saw what everybody's actually doing. I saw it. I was like, look at that girl. I don't know what happened. It was like something just came off me. The blindness came off. I said, look at that girl. In my mind, I'm saying this to myself. She doesn't know that guy. She's going to go home with him. He could destroy her life. She's going to give herself away. Look at this guy. He has to put cocaine up his nose to have fun. He has to act like a tough guy and be so pumped up with muscle because his value is in his body. I begin to see the emptiness of what we search for in the world minus God. I didn't know it was minus God at that moment. I just knew. I was like, what is this? It's not real. And I felt so empty. And I believe that is an attribute of my mother's prayer and the Lord answering her because she would pray that my life would be empty without God. And the reality is, the biggest deception in the world is not to believe the earth is flat or some deception. By the way, it's not, but it's not to believe that. The biggest deception is to believe that a human can actually exist without the God who created him. That independence, and I can have my little house on their deathbed. I've I've led many people to the Lord right on their deathbed. Nobody carries the pride there when they realize they're 10 seconds from a grave. There's no bank account left to fill you in that moment. So I saw it. Like, what are we doing? Why are we living this way? I told my girlfriend, Alina, I said, I'm going home. She says, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not. I actually had drugs. I threw them in the crowd. I said, I'm not okay. I got home and I, I used to have all the lights off. I couldn't stand natural light, even in the house or lights. I didn't like light. I turned off all the lights and I sat down in my lounge room with a cigarette in my hand. I remember just, I remember very uh, prolifically the, the cigarette light in the room. And I felt like this presence came in the room, very strong. See, the presence of God is, he's the person, he he controls and he he birthed the universe. So his presence is a presence of understanding. It's a presence of knowing you. 
because he made you, yeah? And that's what I felt. It just came in the room and I'm like, I put my cigarette down. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me and it went loudly through me, through the inside of me. And it was Jesus. And he said, Ben, and I wasn't high, I wasn't drunk. He said, Ben, I love you. He said, I want you to follow me. And he began to speak to me about Paul the Apostle. He began to tell me about his life and he began to just speak to me about my life and told me he, he loved me. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I had a thought, like, how is it that God is on the inside of me talking? How can he be talking on the inside of me? It's kind of a silly, immature thought because God can speak anywhere. And I was like, God. And he said, I want you to follow me. He said, you'll be like Paul. And he said, you'll preach the gospel. And he said, you'll tell people of the mercy that I've shown you. And he said, I'll show mercy to multitudes when you share this with them. And he said, I'll send you around the world. I was claustrophobic. I hated planes. The first plane flight I ever took, I cried the whole way there. People must have thought I was suffering something in my family. I was just terrified of planes. And I was like, very unqualified. And God qualified me in that moment. He spoke to me for an hour. And then someone gave me a Gideon's Bible, a little bitty Bible you can fit in your pocket. And I started reading it for four hours a day, just all the time. I just couldn't put this book down. It's the Word of God. And as I'm reading it, people, drug addicts and stuff are coming around to my house. And I'd say, have a seat. And I'd say, I'm going to sell you these drugs. I said, but let me read these Proverbs to you. And I would read the scriptures to them, you know. I would tell them about, you know, Jesus, he, like he healed the leper. And I'd read the, the story, you know, are you willing? You can make me clean. I was like, see, that Jesus is willing to make us clean. And I'd teach these guys and they're like, they stopped coming. And, um, and so, but many of my friends who were close to me saw the, the radical transformation. My girlfriend came home after me at like 5, 5.30 in the morning, after I spoke to Jesus for an hour. And she said, what happened to you? She could see on my face. I'd been in the presence of the Lord and I was changed. And I began at that, at that point, I began to preach the gospel because this was the only the example I had. I didn't have YouTube and I went to this Baptist church and it was an amazing church, but I didn't really have an example of what I was sort of reading. They were great people. I'm not saying they weren't examples. Please hear me. But what I was saying was I, did, I just read like Jesus healed everybody. The disciples went out and power followed them and they preached the gospel everywhere. So I was like, I'm just going to do that. So I'd get on buses. And I'd go, hey, excuse me. I'd stand up on the bus at the end of the bus, say, excuse me, before you get off, I want you to know that Jesus died for you. Jesus has a plan for your life and he loves you. I'll never forget the first time I cast out a demon in public. I didn't even know what I was doing. The demon just started manifesting. So I said, get out. You know, and, and, and I just started moving as the Bible tells us to move, being a Christian. Christianity is a 24-7 full contact sport. It's not, I go to church Sunday in my home group Wednesday and see you later and let's hide Jesus for the rest of the week. That is not Christianity. That is the fear of man. And I was the opposite. I didn't have the fear of man. I had the fear of God. But you know, something changed, not toward the world because I, I recognize that they can give me nothing. I don't mean that if you're in here and you're not a Christian, I don't mean the value of friendship can give me nothing. What I meant was there's no opportunity there or peace that someone can present to the inner man to me now because I met peace. I met Jesus. And so they couldn't give me anything. So I was just free to share with them. I became very, very bold. But then I started to get deeper into the church world. And I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be anointed by God. And I saw these anointed, amazing men of God, which is so cool. And you guys know what I'm talking about at Butler and Garamandura. You guys know exactly what I mean, because this whole church is filled with anointed people. And we should aspire to be that way. Hebrews 11 says to look at the inheritance of the faith of those who went before us and to strive to go that same road. And I did, but I begin to do something subconsciously that I didn't know I was doing. I begin to fear people instead of fear the Lord. I didn't fear people in the street again. I begin to fear people in church because I saw there's opportunity here. There's opportunity to share. There's opportunity to be favored. And those things are all wonderful. Jesus grew, Luke 2.52 says, in favor with God and with men. Those things are correct. But what I begin to do is I begin to shut down this boldness that I had outside the church, in the church. And for some of you, it's the flip case. It's you in church, you're like, yeah, you love God. But when you sit down with your friends, you become like a penguin Christian. Or God says to you, you know, you're walking down the street and the Holy Spirit says to you, hey, talk to that woman. And you're like, which woman? Your heart's like this, you know. And you're like, he goes, that woman. You're like, that woman? Oh, it's too late, Lord. It's too late. You know, like she's just there. You know how that goes. And the Lord tells you, he tells you to say, and you, to say, tell him Jesus loves you. And you go to them like this, excuse me, Jesus loves you. 
You know, I used to do the dumbest things. I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? I used to go up to people and say, excuse me, do you have pain in your right shoulder? And the guy's like, oh, no. And I'd go, okay, see ya. Can you imagine how weird that is? He goes home to his wife. There was a man who walked up to me today and he just looked at me and he said, do you have pain in your right shoulder? I said, no. And he just walked away. What do you think that means, honey? I don't know. Is your shoulder good? My shoulder's fine. I, could have, I, I had this revelation once by the Holy Spirit. He's, he gave me this incredible revelation. So deep, so profound. He said, Ben, why don't you ask, do they have pain anywhere? <laughs> oh, that's a great idea, God. So no, you don't have pain in your right shoulder? Do you have pain anywhere? Yeah, my knee. Awesome, I can pray for that. But I used to just walk away, you know, and, and we do that sometimes. We get awkward and we don't live by the boldness that the, the cross, the resurrection and the life of Jesus has afforded us. Because God lives inside you. God lives in you. But I begin to get potted by people's opinion. This came to a head. I was potted more by church leaders because I wanted fathers to love me. Honestly, I would probably say that because of my dad's death, I probably still had in my soul, my spirit's been made new, but I probably in my soul had some level of insecurity around leaders because I wanted fathers to love me. And I, and I had this sort of wall and, and, and I, I changed who I was. I remember being in conversations where I would say things that I actually didn't do. People would say, have you seen that movie? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's awesome. And I'm like, and my mind's like, Ben, you're lying. <laughs> you haven't seen the movie. Why are you saying yes? You're, you're being weird. Or a leader would come up to me and look me in the eyes and go, how you doing, Ben? I'd go, I'm fantastic. I'm great. I had a great week. How are you? Are you good? And I'd go, shut up. You're talking like a weirdo. Why are you speaking that way? You know what I mean. Some of you know exactly what I mean. You change who you are. You're not your genuine self because you fear stuff. You fear what people are seeing in you. What do they think of me? Do they approve of me? That's the wrong source. This came to a head. A very well-known pastor who's an amazing preacher, man of God. My friend invited me. It's a mega church. And he said, do you want to sit in the front row with me? I was like, wow, that's cool. I get to meet this guy. And, and this guy came off the stage. He shook the hands of seven people. I was number seven. And I was like this, I'm ready. You know, like I honor him. I can't wait for him to kind of know me, me know him. I want to say, hey, good to meet you, you know. And, uh, and he shook the hands. God bless you. Great Sunday. God bless you. Great Sunday. And my friend, he's next. And, and he shook my friend's hand. God bless you. Good to see you. These are all his staff. And I'm like this. And he gets to me and he goes, just, just like that. And, my, and I was like, ah. and I looked at my friend. I was like, hey, did you see that? And he goes, see what? And I said, uh, he didn't shake my hand. He goes, oh, maybe he didn't see you. I said, he looked me in the eyes. And he goes, oh, I'm sure you're looking, reading into it. I said, I'm not reading into it. I got loud and, and I got kind of frustrated. And all of a sudden, my thoughts went straight like this to this place. He's seen a Facebook post you did that he doesn't like. He's heard something about you. He's heard you're too bold. He's heard you're a wild Christian. He thinks this of you. He thinks that of you. You've done something to offend him. I didn't even know the guy well at all. And so I thought, God, what have I done against this man? I don't want him to not to like me. So I thought, I know what I can do. I'll chase him to the car park. Bad idea. Bad idea. So I get out to the car park. Praise God that he'd just gotten in his car. Praise God. Can you imagine how awkward? Hello, you don't really know me. Is there anything sin I've done against you? You're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, it was so weird. And I realized I had this very, very strong part of my soul that was living for the opinions of people in the church. Some of you, it's the opposite. It's outside. Let me tell you something. When God made you, the billions of thoughts he had to orchestrate your person, he did this over many, many years. His imagination. God thought of your life and, he, and he's not only thought of it, he birthed you again. He saved you through his blood. He's the one who gives affirmation. We've made the spirit of rejection a Goliath in church. We've made it a Goliath that can never be defeated. I feel rejected. Good. I tell people all the time, they go, I'm not sure if I can tell people that Jesus on the street, I get rejected. I'm like, that's fantastic. Pray for nine more rejections. Pray that God would let you be rejected more until it kills that stupid place in you that needs everyone's affirmation. Pray for it. It's a gift. It's a gift to not be loved because you're loved by God. It's a gift to not be seen perfectly because you're seen by the Lord. And the Lord exposed this in me. He's like, Ben, you've made people a source. That's why you delete your Facebook posts when people don't like them much and you start it again. That's why you do this. That's why you do this. That's why when you're in a conversation and someone says, have you seen that movie? Sometimes you'll nod your head because you don't even know why you're nodding it because you've made people's opinions a source. You don't want to offend anybody. You don't want your life. You want it to be gray. 
that everybody likes you and gets along with you, but you don't want to be you and genuine and real and raw. And he, he said to me, he said, no wonder people reject you sometimes, son, because you've made a fake you that I never made to be accepted. You've made a person that I cannot give validation and acceptance to through my family because it's not really you. Some of you know exactly what I mean. You're at work. Here you're like, oh, come let us adore me. We adore you, Lord. Come let us adore him. I'm bold as a lion. And yes, God, wow. You know, we're, we're like the church. We're free. We're an army, God. Yeah, you know. We, and then at work, someone's got a migraine. Oh, three days. Oh, I hate this headache. I had it for three days of migraine. And the Holy Spirit in you, offer her prayer. Pray for her. And he's, and he's so gentle. Sweetheart, pray for your, your friend here. She doesn't know me yet. Pray for her. And you're like, hey, uh, is it bad? Your headache? And you're like, She's oh, it sucks. It's, and she's maybe even swears. She's a strong woman. You know, she's a, uh, maybe some of those, you know, kind of like very driven person and very strong and you're afraid of her opinion. Well, you've built your life. You've built your freedom around the 10 second thought she's going to have of you. <laughs> I did the same. Came to a head though. I walked back toward the church after that man drove off and I was like, what is wrong with me, God? I'm acting like a fruitcake. I was like, what is wrong with me? And he reminded me of all these situations and I felt in that time I need to fast and pray. See, the fear of man's a snare, the Bible says. We did a test, I told this yesterday, we did a test, we put scriptures about heaven and hell that people must choose the Lord to receive heaven. But we put them with love, you know, like, but Jesus is the way. But we'd put these cool scriptures, you know, 16,451 people a day die and go into eternity. And then we put contrast at the next post with a cool picture of me with some cool jacket or something, you know, and, and, and like preaching. And, and we'd get 10 times the likes on the picture that's cool as we would the scripture that's true. Because people forsake what is true, what is authentic, based on what is acceptable. Well, when you do that, you'll change the real you. And it's no wonder you'll need prayer for rejection and prayer because you're confused and you don't know who you are on the inside and you don't know why you, people's opinions affect you so much. Well, you've placed them as the source of your life. But God told me, fast and pray, so I did. Halfway through the fast, or the end of the fast, sorry, the Lord said, turn to the book of Jeremiah. Now, how many of you have ever done this? You've gone like, God, speak to me. And you open it, it says, kill a hundred foxes and hang them backwards. How many of you have ever done that? You ever done that? I've done that so many times, like, God, I need a word. Please just tell me. I, I stopped doing the flick one. If I do now, I keep my thumb in the New Testament, yeah? It's a bit better. But um, it's not better, actually. It's all the word of God. But, but I used to say, God, give me a scripture. and say, Deuteronomy 24, 6. And I'm so excited. And you know, I get there, and it's like, great judgment's coming to your house. I'm like, no. How many of you have ever done, ever done that? Three people. How many of you struggle with lying occasionally? <laughs> you, you, we've all done that, haven't we? God, I need you to talk to me. And sometimes you get a good one. But... Um, but the Lord said, Jeremiah. So I was like, okay. And I was trying to just quickly through my mind, it might be a correction here, Lord, you know, because Jeremiah, I wasn't thinking of, there's only a few scriptures I could think there that like, it's about the judgment on Israel, you know, a lot of it. And so I literally flicked the Bible open. I flicked it to the chapter of Jeremiah 17, verse five. You can see it on the screen. And this is what God said to me. This changed my life. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his what? Strength. What is strength? It means a resource. Makes people's opinion a resource to give me life. Cursed is that man. And it says, his heart departs from God. You know why the heart departs from God? Because you make people's opinion the source and all of a sudden you can't figure out why you're not as intimate with Jesus while well, you've switched him for people. And your heart begins to lean toward more culture than Bible, more feeling than facts of God. It'll be okay. The future will be good. <laughs> the Lord cut me to the heart. He said, Ben, you've done this. You've done this with people. You change who you are in order to be accepted. And he goes, and, and he just reminded me, he's like, I would sit there and get these great messages and I would avoid hard topics. I would avoid things because I wanted to be invited back. I wanted to, and I realized, man, I'd actually preached messages for people in the church to love me rather than feed them. But you know how merciful God is? exceptionally merciful. He's so in love with you, but he doesn't want you to fear man. He wants you to fear him. The next verse, you don't have to turn there, but it basically says this. It says the next verse right after that, it says, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, like Psalm 1. Same sort of verse as Psalm 1. You know, he shall be like a, a tree planted by the streams. He's full of God, full of fruit. 
How good is it when you can actually look someone in the eye and tell them the truth and be genuine? How good does that feel? How good does it feel when you go, no, I actually don't like that kind of car, but do you like it? Yeah, I like it. Well, that's what matters is that you like it. I don't like it personally, but I like what you like. How good does it feel to be genuine when someone says, is Jesus really the only way? And you say, yes, he's really the only way. How good does it feel when you walk down the street and your heart's like this thumping and you go, I don't care. Excuse me. How awesome is it when you can, you're like, hey, you know, I came to your basketball game a few weeks ago. Can you come to church? That's my thing, man. Come and visit me at church. And you're not embarrassed, ashamed. You don't live under this suppression of what does everyone think of me? How amazing that is. I remember this happened to me one time in Zurich airport. It was 7 a.m. I had my little trolley. I was super tired. You know, my little bag going to the airport. I was so, 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 so tired. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to me. I'm walking like this. I'm just like half awake. And there's a guy was smoking a cigarette right at the entrance of Zurich airport, Switzerland. And as I walked past like this, I just glanced at him. And the Lord said, stop that man and tell him that he needs to turn to me. I'm like, oh God. I was like, okay. And I went to him. And I said, excuse me. I said, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And he goes, and he blew the smoke in my face. And he goes, does he? He goes, I don't believe in your something colourful Jesus. He said a colourful word. He goes, I don't believe in you, Jesus, or your stupid religious stuff. And I said, and, I, and by that point at 7am, I said something in me kind of, I said, yeah, it's the flesh. The flesh rose up a bit. And I was like, I go, okay. I said, well, Jesus saved my life, bud. I said, I'm not telling you about join the church, put a collar around your neck. I said, I'm telling you about a God that saved me when I was a drug dealer. And I was strong with him like that. And he's like, and he goes, He's oh, okay. And, and then he said, he goes, he goes, why'd you stop me? I said, because God told me to. And I was strong with him at this point. And, and I said, and God loves you. And he goes, oh, okay, man. I said, what's your name? You know, like, so my name's Ben. My name's Andrew. His name's Andrew. And I said, awesome. I said, good to meet you, Andrew. I said, can I pray for you or anything like that? And he goes, no, I don't, I don't want prayer. And I said, well, let me tell you the truth. I said, Jesus loves you, man. He can save you. He saved me. I'm not telling you any religious stuff. And he goes, he got up and he goes, you know what? He goes, I don't believe in Jesus, but you're the first person I met that feels genuine. Three months later, on my phone, I get this random message in Facebook inbox. Hi, my name's Andrew. You met me in Zurich airport. I can't stop thinking about the fact that you said Jesus is real and Jesus is calling me. And he goes, I would like to catch up with you. I believe that your Jesus is real. And he goes, can we catch up? And I was like, yes. See, it's that easy. Imagine I obeyed the fear of man. He blew the smoke. I'm so sorry. Smoke on. Smoke on. No, not smoke on. If he doesn't get saved, he's going to somewhere way more smoky. I need to preach the gospel. I need to live a genuine life before God as my source. People are not your source. They didn't make you in your mom's womb. They didn't save you on the cross. Now, what does that do when you get free of the fear of man? Because God began to rip it out of my soul. I begin to be way more bold. In church, I begin to preach the truth. God would say, I want you to share in this sermon about heaven and hell. I want you to share about sin and ask people to repent of the dark things they're hiding. I'm like, cool, I'll do that. Because I didn't care anymore. If I got invited back, I cared about pleasing the Lord. And the same with workplace, with places where you go. You'll be the same. You'll be like, hey, sweetheart, hey, I know you don't believe in the God stuff, but let me tell you, I've seen so many people healed of migraines. Can I pray for you? Just take 10 seconds if you want to. Yeah, I want to. Pray. Thanks, God, for my workmate. Thanks for Nicole. I pray for Nicole right now. God, just heal her mind in Jesus' name. She's like, okay, yeah, cool, thanks. And she's like, it's actually gone. And next minute, she's at the front of the altar with you saying, I believe that Jesus is real. This is not about introverts or extroverts, okay? This is not about a personality type. No offense, okay? But God wasn't in heaven. What can we do with all the extroverts and Jesus? Oh, let's make them evangelists, God. Oh, that's a great idea, Jesus. We'll make extroverts evangelists. What shall we do with the intercessors? Uh, sorry, the, the introverts, Jesus. Oh, let's make them intercessors. Let's make them volunteers. Let's, no! There's a lion who entered you. I have a more introverted personality. I like to be alone, believe it or not. It's not about personality. It's not the high D, high S, C, whatever. I don't know the numbers or names. It's not that. That's not in the New Testament. Every person in the New Testament, they had two things in common. They loved and trusted God. They shared about Him. 
They loved and trusted God. There was no faction. Everyone's passion was alive. I see people paint their face like Braveheart. I see them at the football. Yeah, I see them at the surfing competition. Oh, bro, it's, it's sick, man. Fully sick, big waves. Yeah, yeah. And they're just talking about this, my favourite surfboard. Everybody, I see women with their makeup. I've heard women talk like, oh, this is the best. L'Oreal's amazing. You've got to get... Everybody's passionate about what they're passionate about. The problem is Satan has sold us a lie that says the church needs to apologize for the best news the world can ever hear. You don't need to apologize for God. You don't need to make excuses for the God who made this world. You should be, I should be the most tender, loving, kind and bold person alive. Because our source is not the fear of man. It's the fear of him. It's the love for man. I begin to love leaders more. I begin to tell the truth more. Everything begin to flow in more innocence and more authenticity. This morning, I want to break that off you. Would you stand? If you're in the other campuses too watching this, I want to encourage you and, and, and your leaders there, your pastors there to just allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do in the people of God. Now, if you fear men, you'll be like this when I pray. You'll go, Oh God, change my life. Don't let anybody see me scream or anything here though. You know, God, help me. I've prayed for people before. I'm like, you're good? And they're like, mm, I'm good, you know. And I'm like, do you realize the five seconds of <laughs> you bawling on the floor? What would you rather? That five minutes of you going <laughs> bawling and just repenting or yelling, God, I'm done with my fear. What would you rather, that or five more years of torment? Oh no, I'd rather keep the torment. It's much safer. Actually, it's not. <laughs> it's much more dangerous. You're in a prison when fear potters you. If this message relates to you, as fast as you can, run to the front. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you, and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.